0: Welcome to Gu Dao Xing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wong, executive coach. I'm joined by my co host, Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Today, we're going to study Chapter 25 of Tao De Jing. Um, and before we begin, uh, could you share, just like always, uh, one of the Walking the Timeless Way moments over the past week?
1: Yeah, this one, a little bit more on the intense side of things, just kind of normal day. And then had a um one of our cats. there was this sudden realization that it might have got into something toxic for it, and couldn't know for sure, so rushed him to the animal hospital and he he's fine, he's fine now, but um in those moments, you just realize how it's just that reminder of how quickly life can change in a sudden way. I mean, whether it's with a pet or a loved one or anything of great significance and importance to us and just that, that very fast reminder that we're not in control and that the more attached we are, to things that, um, you know, there's that inevitable painful loss that goes along with it when we're either actually confronted with losing those things, or we just have a deep fear that we're going to lose those things. And just that reminder how everything returns to the source, it doesn't matter how much we love something care about something that we can't we can't stop ourselves from getting attached of course you know but you know Taoism's not about you know being a a a psychopath that has no feelings toward living things it's it's actually quite the opposite. It's that you know we, we, we love all these things dearly, no, knowing that everything does return to that source. And Taoism's about accepting that, embracing that, kind of being fully aware of that so that you know we have an even deeper, profound love and respect for the things in our life. And so this, that was a reminder for me of that, of just, you know, how, how quickly all, all of that can change and just how important it is that we keep that in our mind each day as we go through life, because that's how we stay connected with virtue and how we stay connected with caring for things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How's the cat now? He's fine. Yeah. He's back home mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, getting readjusted the other cat seemed (laughs) we were Mm kind of worried about her if she would miss her buddy and Mm -hmm. she actually Mm -hmm. seemed to um for a couple of days was really embracing i think the idea of it just being her her place and when he came back she seemed a little you know not the happiest in in the world but yeah we're we're readjusting
0: oh i see i see Uh uh-huh she is uh, i wonder you know i wonder from her perspective what's her you know that moment of realization so you certainly you realize the impermanent permanence of uh of life and uh you know things we uh we we tend to attach to uh you know i was wondering what about <laughs> you know the other cat uh
1: i think she w- quickly got attached to the thought that maybe she wouldn't um, have to share the space.
0: Ah, I see, I see. <laughs> great, great. So, well, we are talking, you know, you talked about this, uh, you know, ever-changing uh, landscape of, you know, the, just the flow of life. Uh, we're actually uh, going to talk more about it while we're studying this chapter. Uh, so, maybe uh, you could, uh, you know, lead the, the reading in its original Chinese text.
1: All right. So, here's
2: chapter 25. Ye wu huanchang, xian tian di ji du li 而不代 Yu Jong Yu Tha Aranchu Yen Ren Fa Di Di Fa Tien Tian Fa Tao Tao Fa Tzu
0: Very good I could hear the, the rhythm, right? Tao Da Tian Da Di Da Yi Da Ren Fa Di Di Fa Tien Tian Fa Da Dao Fa Tsuan So it's like Everything is like um, how do you say? I mean that sounds music to me,
1: yeah, there's a syncopation to it. I mean, you definitely has that or or rhythm to it that um, catches you in the original language, and of course, that's the real challenge with any translation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know maintaining that or at least you know hinting to it and as much as you can right,
0: so we'll see one of the trans. How one of the translations does in in terms of you know expressing that in the English language uh, this okay. time I choose uh, Stephen Mitchell's uh, okay so here it is there was something formless and perfect before the universe was born it is serene empty solitary unchanging infinite, eternally present. It is the mother of the universe. For lack of a better name, I call it the Tao. It flows through all things, inside and outside, and returns to the origin of all things. The Tao is great. The universe is great. Earth is great. Man is great. These are the four great powers. Man follows the earth, earth follows the universe, the universe follows the Tao. The Tao follows only itself. What do you think of the translation?
1: Well, the particularly the last. Line that was an interesting Mm -hmm. translation instead of "dowfatzaran." Yeah, yeah. He says, Tao only follows itself," which you know. I think it's a fair. Mm-hmm. translation mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I don't like about that is that mm-hmm. it misses an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of talk about the characteristics mm-hmm. of Tao which mm-hmm. is what I think Lao Tzu was doing when he said Tao Fa Zi ran. it's like okay here I'm I'm describing mm-hmm. the nature of Tao by choosing Zi because you know maybe you could tell us about um mm-hmm. But what the quality of ziran and 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 maybe why Lao Tzu was kind of doing it that way to try to tell us a little bit something more about Dao and how it mm-hmm, works. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, as we uh, delve into it, I think that's ziran is definitely one of the the key concepts, uh, not okay. only in, th- so in this chapter but you know throughout Tao mm-hmm. Te Yeah,
1: just cool. like so a Maybe way. we'll get into yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Um, you know, in previous chapters, you know, for example, uh, chapter one, you know, that's how Tao is described, right? The, uh, mm. nameless and also the, the unfollowed Tao is the real, is mm. actually the real Tao. So in chapter yeah. one, chapter four, six, fourteen, and twenty-one, now we're in twenty-five. These chapters, mm. uh, in these chapters, Lao Tzu tried to describe, to describe Tao uh, in different ways. So I was wondering if you could share with our listeners, you know, your key take on the, the, the nature and the characteristics of Tao from these chapters. And then, you know, maybe we can uh, focus on, on this particular chapter, you know, what something new uh, you have learned from this chapter
1: yeah I think I'll come back to the the thing I was just talking about with um, the translation but I think the the most significant new wrinkle and where Lao Tzu takes us with this is I would describe this chapter you know the, the title I would give it is cycles that Um we've heard a lot about Tao being mysterious and deep and profound and, um, can't really ever really access it completely or understand it completely. But here we're really learning about cycles. And so with cycles, another way of saying it is that that there's patterns, you know, if, um, I mean, just philosophically, when when people start becoming nihilistic or too skeptical, I feel like, okay, well, can you not see that there's patterns to the universe, and and clearly patterns are something, um, cycles are something, and that's something that we have learned in this chapter is that Tao has a has a cycle there's a return and there's you know not that Taoism promises heaven but kind of the closest thing to that that we might hear kind of comes I think this is the first chapter we're talking about the return and to some extent it is it feels like kind of promising a return to reunification with Tao, returning to the source, returning to, you know, being completely in harmony with Tao, which is something that we, you know, can't ever really know until we get there. If if we even know in the same way at that time, we, we don't know because Tao is a mystery. And so i think that's one of the key things here um i think we can also when we start looking at this chapter and how laoza is breaking it down into you know the highest level down to the human level and um showing the relationship between all those things that, that there's, it's not necessarily a hierarchy, but there's a relationship. It's, it's like, I mean, Lao is sort of the opposite of hierarchy, right? Like he, that's one of the things that, that's so appealing to him because it's, it's such, it's so lacking in society, but Lao looks at it as the higher status you have the more responsibility that you have and that you're actually more of a, a servant. And I think that's kind of broken down in in this chapter too, that, you know, the cosmos is sort of responsible for everything. And then the, the earth is responsible for everything on earth, but then people have this great power. And so they have this great responsibility as well. And that's sort of the first time that, that we get presented with, with that picture in, in this chapter. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so uh, what I'm hearing is uh, two, ma- two key things. One is this notion of cycle, the, the patterns, right? The other one is the interconnection uh, between Tao and uh, heaven and earth and man right maybe we can uh you know focus one at a time and let's talk about the patterns uh first i think the point that you are making which is i find very interesting is the uh you know people nowadays in our society uh you know have uh, this uh, nihilistic uh tendencies or uh, viewpoints and uh how can you elaborate a little bit on what you know what is it about uh what is really nihilism you know what what uh, because people use people even i find it interesting because uh for example people thought like uh nietzsche who said god is dead is nihilistic but in fact when you <laughs> read very closely he's not you know a, a nice philosopher so uh tell tell us about more about the uh, nihilistic tendencies nowadays and how you know this realization or observation of the patterns might uh, provide a uh alternative uh perspective.
1: Yeah, so the God is dead part, I think it, it's directed hundred percent toward. The christian god it's mm-hmm. not saying it's not saying you know nihilism is is true what it's saying is is that this idea of a personal god as manifest through the church and in particular it, it's it's not tenable mm-hmm. i mean it's not tenable mm-hmm. you know to think that you know if we're the chosen people, and if we pray, God's going to do what we want. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just kind kind of saw through those sort of very flimsy attempts at um, creating a, a a real framework for life and and existence. Mm-hmm. But you know, beyond that, um, there's still. And I'm not a I'm not a Nietzsche scholar, so Mm. I'm I'm not here to give an explication of of all of his works. But in general. Some of the things that were key from Nietzsche was talking about um, master and slave morality and sort of the relationship between um, people who are oppressed and, and people who do the. Oppressing, And, you know, to some extent, I think, um, what Nietzsche was really talking about is how, um, we're on our own. I mean, we, we are part of the universe, but the universe isn't, doesn't revolve around us. Mm-hmm. We're not central to, um, the universe didn't come into existence for us. It doesn't revolve around us. It doesn't cater to us. It it doesn't answer our prayers. Um, we're here just as organisms in in the planet, just like every thing else. Some people take that and go to an extreme and say, oh, well, If the universe doesn't exist for me, if the universe doesn't exist for people, you know, if, if my personal God that, Mm -hmm. you know, loves me more than anything else in eternity isn't real, then, you know, I, I guess this is all just garbage and, and worthless and kind of swings to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. And that's the extreme of, um, you know, that's the pendulum swing of. Everything exists for me. I mean, this this very egotistical, childlike view of existence to the other end, which is, and if I can't have that, then mm-hmm. it's garbage. Mm-hmm.
0: What's that view? Uh, what's the connection of that view with nihilism? So how 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 is that related? Well,
1: nihilism's mm-hmm. Nihilism's the swing to the other side, right? That's the swing to the side where it's saying that, okay, well, if, if I'm not that important, then, you know, I guess nothing matters and nothing is important. So it's very ego centered. It's very, I mean, nihilism is because my human life doesn't have special meaning, then I guess nothing really matters and it's all just sort of nothing there's no if there's no god looking out for me then the universe is nothing
0: Mm -hmm. so that reminds me of a long time ago in ancient greece uh somebody uh, made the claim that man is the measure of everything so does that kind of uh, have some connection with that so if it's not the world is not serving me or revolving around me or to make me happy, then it's meaningless. Is that the kind of the (laughs) it's it's almost like, uh, you know, like the, uh, the, how would you say the premise is, um, it doesn't have its intrinsic meaning. If, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's like we're looking at the world through ourselves right mm-hmm. is that Check. so yeah. if if yeah. that thing doesn't exist like say because the original uh christian faith uh, is that you know god at least uh, for the believers you know god protects us right mm-hmm. so if there's the claim that that doesn't stand anymore then the whole universe it's almost like uh it's a random or it's
1: Right. If people aren't at the center of the universe, then it's just this must be this random thing with no purpose or meaning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: What are the, but, but, the practical mm-hmm. implications nowadays in our society for for this kind of uh, nihilistic view? You think? What are the well, kind of manifest all the kind different forms of manifestation?
1: Well, I mean we see it everywhere. It's, it's materialism. Mm -hmm. It's, it's cynicism. It's sarcasm, Mm -hmm. you know, just like not taking anything seriously anymore. It's like, Oh, well, you know, we're, we're God is dead. And so, you know, why take anything seriously. I should just indulge. Mm -hmm. I should just be, I still am this selfish creature. And so, you know, virtue kind of goes out the door Mm -hmm. because what's the point of that i may as well just Mm -hmm. i can't do anything i want material right or or i can uh or i should try to mm -hmm. at least i should try to i should try to just have as much pleasure as i can Mm um Mm -hmm. or um you know just be highly skeptical and cynical of everything not care about virtue it's like why should i cultivate virtue if i'm you know I'm not going to be redeemed mm-hmm. and i'm just going to die and everything's just going to turn right to nothing like why should i be motivated to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cultivate any sort of deep virtue
0: right right i heard a term called a meaning crisis like we're in the midst of a, a meaning crisis
1: yeah because that th- that's that is exactly, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what kind of Nietzsche was saying Mm -hmm. about God is dead. Is like that meaning is dead. It's not that there can't be something greater than people or that existence is just this um, Mm -hmm. material chunks, you know, just matter floating through space Mm -hmm. and nothing else. It's that, you know, how do we recreate meaning after we no longer have the um strict framework of the christian church to mm-hmm. um keep us in mind
0: do you think we can live without meaning
1: no because people mm-hmm. make me i mean since we have symbolic thinking mm-hmm. and we clearly have the most symbolic thinking of any Mm -hmm. creature I'm not I don't know that we can say that we're the only ones Mm -hmm. I think other animals have at least some amount of symbolic thinking um Mm -hmm. but clearly people have highly advanced symbolic thinking and so to think in symbols that is by definition making meaning of things. I mean, when you Mm -hmm. see the character, the numeral one, Mm -hmm. that means something to you. When you see the word "sun" in any language that you know, that means something to you. And so we're constantly making meaning, but is the meaning that we're making contributing to our psychological health? Is it Mm -hmm. contributing Mm -hmm. to the health of our communities? is it contributing to the health of the earth? And clearly the answer to that in our time is that pretty much, a, you know, that is the meaning crisis that because we've lacked such deep, um, virtue that's required to keep harmony. And this is exactly what Tao of Jing is about there are crises everywhere i mean the whole world is just this giant crisis unfolding and you know when generating vast wealth is that is the goal and it trickles down to every society around the world i mean yeah that's a pretty empty existence and you know that's where we're at mm-hmm.
0: do you think that uh Laozi, through throughout the jing provides meaning or, uh, or different types of meaning.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's still, that's why I still practice it every day as much as I can and, and try to keep it in my heart constantly because of everything that I've spent time studying. Mm -hmm. Um, Most things Mm -hmm. I could write off pretty, Mm-hmm. Quickly, because they just weren't intellectually honest for for me. Um, but as far as a complete tradition, that it's not dogmatic, um, it's it doesn't tell you that you have to believe in you know a, a a personal god that is you know you're just here trying to pass all of his tests or whatever. But has a element of virtue that if you cultivate it is not only good for psychological health, but you can use it to be a strong leader for people, including your own family, your friends, whoever. To me, it's the most complete spiritual tradition where I don't also have to turn off my brain. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I heard about similar things about Zen. Of course, Zen is the sure. marriage yep. between Taoism and Buddhism, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's
1: one I get into, too. Right, right.
0: right. Uh, you know, I'm curious about, you know, the um, the key differences from your point of view between the meaning that Nietzsche said, you know, died away and the meaning that you found in Tao Te Ching. You mentioned like Tao Te Ching, the keyword you just mentioned is not dogmatic are there other things mm-hmm. that are and also you you know still it engage your, your your mind as, as you mm-hmm. said so tell us something more about it you know what's the special appeal of the idea there that you think you 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 found the meaning so uh, so far it seems like we agreed upon its meaning making and meaning seeking mm-hmm is part of being human, right? We cannot get rid mm-hmm. of it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's just the uh, the problem right now the, with the meaning crisis is we have lost faith mm-hmm. in the, the meaning that's being part of the traditional institutions or religions or, you know, that the human civilization have, it seems. What's your take
1: yeah, uh, I mean, because right off the bat mm-hmm. it it frames life as something that is a mystery mm-hmm. that eliminates the the dogmatism, and so you know which I think to be honest with ourselves, we have to be in that place, so psychologically immediately it it lets us stay in that place of uncertainty, which I think is necessary to really live the human experience. Like we have to live our whole lives without an answer, without an ultimate answer. And Taoism sets that framework up right off the bat. Tao's a mystery. It's darkness within darkness, a mystery within a mystery. We're never going to know. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, it gives us that space. It gives us that space that, you know, life's a mystery.
0: It's pretty but, uh, kind of a contrary to what we, you know, we, we are brought up with. Right. Uh, yep. I remember in schools, you know, there's always like the, the answers, the right or wrong mm-hmm. answers. And then as we are working, uh, you know, we're navigating in the world. Uh, you know the leaders. You know I. You know I've been working with the leaders on the coaching side. That leaders are expected to give clear answers, and people. Uh, you know leaders believe that they are capable of giving answers. While in reality now they are learning. Given the fast, you know the uh, mm-hmm. pace of change and the complexity, I think you know, leaders are painfully knowing that they need to be authentic with their employees by sometimes saying, I don't know. So I, I, it's, I feel like when, when you talked about this, living with a sense of not knowing or living with a sense of mystery, uh, may help, uh, you know, address this problem of authenticity, and also this, our anxiety and our uh, tendency to seek to control things
1: that was exactly the word that was my where I, I'm glad that you went there because that was exactly it because that's why we try to control things because we think we can have an answer and mm-hmm. you know you meet those people and yeah they tend to be more controlling because mm-hmm. they think that they can control it and it's like no mm-hmm. you don't even know we don't know anything so how can you control and of course that's where ideas like wu wei come which is you know just you only do what is absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. because to interfere in things that you don't understand that's what brings calamity on yourself
0: right talking about control you know sometimes when i read histories i feel like the tendency to control you know is growing stronger and stronger Within the human race for whatever reason, you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I went to a like a village or let's say I, I, you know, I visited Thailand, you know, I, Mm -hmm. uh, my my friend was uh, working there. I asked them, like, say, oh, look at these people who are just living in the kind of the dirty water, the the river. Right. Mm -hmm. Why are they not doing anything? (laughs) So my friend tried to explain to me, like, say. They kind of, you know, they, they they think they are just this is their state stationary of this is their station of life. In other words, mm-hmm. they, they believe that they just follow the nature flow of life mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe the next life will be bigger. But this is very, very different from somebody who, you know, let's say like mm-hmm. grew, growing, growing up in China in the uh in the you know in the 70s and 80s and 90s who start to believe you know that we can control our own destiny i remember a long time ago that people didn't have that stronger sense and then i moved to this country of course you know this is a country of individualism you know we all feel like we need to you know we we can control our destiny so i find like, it seems like through human history, maybe at the very beginning, maybe only a small number of people, they believe in the power of controlling. You know, they, they, they try to mm-hmm. control something. Mm-hmm. But now the whole universe, uh, no, the whole globe of people feel like they can control their destiny, which becoming yeah. when that happens, I was wondering if it's a good thing or a bad thing, because everything have that. You know, false belief.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, um, I mean, if we just observe mm-hmm. Lao Tzu talks about the use of tools and living simply. Mm-hmm. And if we look at all the habitat destruction of the planet, mm-hmm. all of the species that have gone extinct and the ones that are still being constantly threatened with extinction and what we're doing to our mm-hmm. own environment. I mean, you look cancer rates are rising, mm. you know, we've got all this medical technology, which it, you know, is great. Like mm. I love, I love medicine and feeling better when I'm been sick. But th- the point is, is that it's not controlling things the way that people thought that this was going to happen they thought that science and technology was going to cure the world's problems Mm -hmm. and we look and and look at the world there's more sickness Mm -hmm. now than there's ever been um and i mean that just not just literal physical Mm -hmm. sickness but just the 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 spiritual Mm -hmm. and mental illness around the world is profoundly deep and i mean honestly if if everyone was living more like the um people in thailand that Mm -hmm. you're saying which is just here's our piece of land we're not trying to build Mm -hmm. some grand civilization we have some amount of technology to you know build fairly durable Mm -hmm. Homes and tools to catch our food and grow our food and take care of things, but each day, you know there's a fair amount of work to do, but then you know we're just living according to the cycles the natural right, cycles right. if if people were living that way instead of this global economic system where plastics are in everything now and that's causing you know nanoplastics in everyone's body and right. people are getting cancer and diseases and you know whether or not you believe in um, man-made contributions to climate change or not and and i think it's pretty clear that i mean i think to some extent you'd have to really be in denial to not think that all of the pollutants and fumes and Emissions that have gone into the planet aren't having some effect on the weather, I think you'd have to be in a huge amount of denial to not admit that. But um, the habitat loss. I mean, we've cut down all these forests and the animals have died. They have no place to live. And we've decimated countless acres of habitat that that's just... And for what? I mean, you look at the, all of these stores that are just full of junk that people don't need, and then you multiply that by all of the people around the planet, and it's because at the top, nothing matters except for GDP. And why does GDP matter? Because the people at the top of that system make the roles have a vast amount of wealth and it's all kind of centered around wealth extraction and so literally we're just trying to extract all of the monetary value of the earth as quickly as we can until apparently there's just going to be a husk left Mm -hmm. so yeah you tell me um Mm -hmm. if if this is progress or not well, or, and, and which society would be better for um, everything?
0: Yeah, I, I think everybody realizes um, this thing is not sustainable, uh, you know, from all kinds of signs. Uh, um, but the, the question is, you know, if we talked about the doubt, the notion of returning, right? When mm-hmm. something go, yep. uh, go, goes to extreme, there will be return, uh, according to to that natural cycle. If human beings do not return, uh, you know, uh, by choice nature will force force, right. That to happen. But do you think that the people, if there's any hope, sometimes I feel like maybe the people, um, but I don't know whether it's possible or not, but, uh, but the mindset of the developing countries, uh, you know, China used to be a, a develop developing country. So at that time, in the whole education system, encouraged people to be not like the people in Thailand. Like those people are the fatalist, like a fatalistic, or even with the old thinking, meaning like they do not want to. They are not. Uh, uh, how to say? They are not striving enough they are so contented okay so all those not values are not encouraged in the chinese system and also in the chinese system china uh the the educational system showed the young kids that when china was were were, uh, were backward they were bullied by the western powers and uh, uh, and all these uh, old pictures and stories so there's a shame in being poor and backward. So that kind of the motivate the whole culture to be, uh, to seek, at least even not being the number one in the world, but advanced enough so no one can bully you and humiliate you. So that's the mindset I believe not only Chinese people, but a lot of the developing people, uh, de- people in the developing world, the old colonies. So, given the world we are in right now, I was wondering—you know—these nations they want to enjoy just the, as the so-called the higher standard of living as the 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 developed world. And the developed world, uh, the people start to uh, not all of them, but I think some of them start to realize this. Actually, it's not the progress doesn't deliver what was promised. Do you think there's a possibility there's a growing section of the people in the developed countries that realize this is a dead end? They are returning and they take the lead in returning and that impact our world positively. Do you think that's possible or do you think that the people in the developed world, uh, they were just continuing through this track and not returning. And then the developing country people, they are trying to catch up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, again, just it it's not my, I'm not a scholar mm-hmm. on these things, but you can just look and see i mean you you can just have basic observational Mm -hmm. capabilities and and look and you know the individual person Mm -hmm. can be very kind very compassionate Mm -hmm. very understanding Mm -hmm. very reasonable that's true but yep but humanity is like the weather i mean you can't control humanity the forces of humanity any more than you can control tornadoes hurricanes um the jet stream etc and so you know that's the fantasy that governments get into that you know we can and they can influence it for sure i mean that's you know when when you make laws and incentivize things or disincentivize things clearly that has an impact and that's the whole. Mm problem is that it's a charade i mean you have the the developed countries you know making these summits and Mm -hmm. climate change summits and we're we're gonna have this agreement and that agreement Mm -hmm. but you know we but but we can't stifle growth and so we've got to have all these ways to make sure that growth Mm -hmm. doesn't Mm -hmm. get impacted and it's like right um that's idiotic (laughs) i mean how can you you can't do both like that's the whole problem you ha, you can't not stop economic growth and achieve these climate change goals that you have it's just it it's it's ridiculous but they they act like they're actually leading and doing something and they're not and you know they're they're not going to do anything to stop economic growth i mean So we're going to keep going down this path. And, you know, for a developing country, why should they be held back?
2: When That's
0: the logic behind their thought, like, say, oh, uh, uh, you guys have already enjoyed that level of living and we haven't even tasted, you know, like we are hungry and we haven't tasted the prosperity yet. So now it's our turn, you know, to do that.
1: Yeah. And and then um, we're just stuck in in the same cycle. And so, no, I think this is going back to Tsiran, that Tao follows what's natural and spontaneous. And so that that is how things are going to unfold. It's not going to be based upon humans controlling things. It's, it's going to be these cycles are going to play out and... You know, unfortunately, we don't know when, but the cycle of global economic growth where we're just going to extract monetary value from the world's resources as quickly as we can and concentrate it in the hands of a few people, that's obviously at an extreme. Is it going to last 10 years, 50 years, 100, maybe some Maybe something will come out and it'll you know go for longer, who knows? But but generally it, it seems like it's gonna get stretched to a, a breaking point, and that's how Dow works. You know, it's gonna get it's going to extremes, so it snaps back and goes the other way. And you know who probably, you know, and, and unless they're living in a place where the waters rise because of ocean levels rising the people who won't be that affected are the ones that have just kept living the way that you were talking about it's like yeah we're we're not trying to have some grand civilization here we're just doing our thing and and living and they'll probably be able to relatively keep living that way the people that will be um Mm. devastated are are the ones that you know
0: who are being protected, right? We're entrenched in the current civilization. Like I I remember, you know, in biologist, evolutionary biologist, uh, E.O. Wilson, you know, from Harvard tried, you Mm -hmm. know, he's dedicated his whole life studying, uh, you know, ants, right? He said like, even like when human beings disappear, ants still are alive. So using that metaphor, I imagine those people who are closest to the earth are probably the yep. more likely to survive than people who are insulated. You know, in that 100%. in that uh, when natural happens.
1: Yeah, the ants of society, the people who, you know, mm-hmm. they don't have four hundred one ks, they don't have checking accounts. The the. They will when that return happens. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like return to what we've we've been here the right, whole time.
0: The whole time, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, to, what does that lead to? I, I, I find find that, that is a very interesting conversation in in terms of you know, uh, trying to uh, imagine uh, you know the future scenario because yeah, from a human uh, calculus or the human logic, nobody wants to uh, give up, nobody wants to stop, right? So, okay, so this goes on, you know, if there are, like, sometimes I, you know, I wish there were more enlightened people, right? These people can mm. see the future and they can take the lead. But the more I look around, the more I see, you know, the richest people, they are the, probably it's the hardest for them. You know even though they may practice yes. Taoism or buddhism mm. but at mm. just like the you know as you said the developed nations they organize they lead but they they don't lead by examples mm-hmm. they, they lead by words you know yep. and everybody kind Empty of see through this and i would say probably the rich people the highest echelon you know who have the wealth mm. just like the bible mm. said you know, it's it's easier for a camel to go through a needle the eye of a needle than a rich man. Uh,
1: exactly, because that's the relationship part. I mean, mm-hmm. when in this chapter, when Lao is talking about the powers of the world and and talking about humanity being one of those, mm-hmm. he could see the profound impact that we can have on the planet, mm-hmm. and, and you. you if you if you draw on other parts of Tao Te Ching, where you know Lao Tzu says to to really be a true leader, you can't think about yourself. You can't think about your own body or your own situation. You have to treat the world as if it's your body, mm-hmm. and and treat it with that type of care. And so, if we draw upon that and pull it into this chapter we can see what Tzu is saying in this is is to some extent it's like yes people are so pr- profoundly gifted that means they have a profound responsibility as one of the significant powers and he's already said in another chapter y- you can't be worried about your own wealth and your own self and your own station you have to be profoundly concerned with everything outside of yourself and that's the opposite of the type of thinking that we get from a lot of so-called leaders today because they have that kind of monotheistic view of i'm wealthy because god thinks i'm really special mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. god god wants me to be a trillionaire and so the more money I make, the more I'm proving that I'm doing God's work. And they actually believe this. Like, they go around really believing, yeah. like, if I get a billion more dollars, that just proves that God loves me even more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that goes way back to the, uh, you know, the uh, Protestant uh, ethics from the very beginning, yeah. you know, in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. People at that time, you know, people was influenced by the Puritanism. Which believe mm-hmm. that you can redeem yourself through the accumulate hardworking and accumulation mm-hmm. of wealth, and that gives you the chance to go into heaven, uh, to prove yourself that you be able. to. Mm-hmm. So that belief, I think, it's very fundamental. It gets into the heart of even meritocracy, uh, because mm-hmm. you know when you look at around the people, why certain people say other people are deplorables, because yeah. they believe they are smart enough. They' are chosen, they're elite enough, or they are mm-hmm. hardworking enough, whatever it is, and they mm-hmm. see the other side are, as losers, because they are not as smart, as hardworking as the other part. So that's yeah, just I, I think it's totally, you know far away from you know what you described as you know being described by Lao Tzu. Y-
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's completely the opposite end of the spectrum. And and, you know, if we're going to up on the Bible, you can also say, you mm-hmm. know, you'll know them by their fruits. Mm-hmm. And yep. mm-hmm. that can be misinterpreted. I mean, in instead of looking at the fruits of virtue, you can read that literally and say, oh, well, know them by their fruits. That must mean their performance, the more fruit right? they're, yeah, they're the external
0: um, Yep. Uh, you know, expression, like the, the stuff like they have the processions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I I think this is where Taoism is profoundly different. And Mm -hmm. I think why, I mean, really in our time, I think it could be an antidote to, you know, philosophically and as a religion, it probably, if people were genuinely following it, around the world i think it would change a lot if people were, were doing it the way that you know w- without twisting it up to make it convenient because you know that's what people do right they, they take these really deep spiritual religious mm-hmm. traditions and you get some liar who will reinterpret it to justify their own way of living and then everybody else starts doing it and it becomes corrupt and pointless and yeah, it's not true, true anymore. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, Tzu's way of thinking is super important right now. Uh, I just don't know that people, enough people around the world and leaders in particular who are just, I think, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're so far gone from, anything resembling honesty or vir- virtue that I, yes i don't have hope in those leaders but again we can have hope in ziran we can have hope in dao and no things get balanced out in their own way
0: mm-hmm. so that's in in a word that summarizes why it's appealing to you uh specifically so it sounds to me that uh it's a very it's uh individual level, you feel like uh, there's a sense of meaning and hope from the text, right? In terms of whether it has enough of a power to, uh, for change, that's questionable because there's a danger there, like used as a, you know, as a new weapon, Mm -hmm. as a lot of great Mm -hmm. ideas in history, then it's becoming problematic again. Is that a good kind of... Summary of what, yeah, what what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, because I I think it works on, you know, and I don't think Taoism is completely alone. I'm sure Mm -hmm. people of of many spiritual traditions who authentically and honestly try to live it Mm -hmm. versus, you know, some twisted, corrupted Mm -hmm. version I think it can work on the individual level when times are tough and it feels like nothing in the external mm-hmm. world is mm-hmm. vir- virtuous or meaningful. You still have that. If, if you've been developing it in your heart, mm-hmm. which that's the practice, that's mm-hmm. the hard part. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a community and everyone's practicing it, it's like those, those spiritual riches then multiply and I, Lao Tzu talks about this too. You know, it starts in your heart, spreads to your family, then to the community, and then to the country. So it works on every level. And that's what Lao is talking about in this chapter, too, that these cycles, when Tao is in harmony every step of the way, that's that's peak the other extreme, right? Like now we have peak the extreme of materialism and Wow. Can you even imagine what it would feel like if with all of the wisdom and technology that we have now, Mm -hmm. if we were aligned from the individual level to the home, to the community, to the state, the country, to the globe? I mean, like what that would feel like on this planet, it it wouldn't eliminate death, it wouldn't eliminate sickness, Mm -hmm. but you know, can you imagine if we actually, and not just Taoism, but, you know, whatever is at the heart of that virtue, if as a globe, as a people, we're really taking that responsibility seriously and living that way, I mean, wow, just think about how different it could be.
0: Right, right. Well, with with that positive note, we are at the top of I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and also thank you, listeners, for uh, being part of our conversation today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make this podcast for you and it's entirely listener supported. If you find value in our discussion of DAO, please consider making a small donation at walkingthetimelessway.com. We also want to hear from you. Please write to us anytime via our website.